What's up and welcome back to the TCP Podcast. This is Tyler Clark with TC Performance and I appreciate you guys for tuning back in. Real quick, take 15 seconds. All I need is you guys to make sure you're following. One, two, please leave a review. Five star this thing, four star this thing, whatever you guys need to do, however you feel, and then give me some feedback. And then most importantly, please share this thing, whether it's on social media, send it to somebody through text or email, whatever it is that you need to do. Uh, just get the word out that this is a podcast, this is a show that you enjoy. Somebody else may like it, and it goes a long way. I appreciate you guys. Now, for this week solo episode, and I wanted to dive a little bit deeper into a concept that's been mentioned throughout a lot of the episodes with a bunch of different guests um i talk about it a lot on social media but i haven't really dove into the topic itself and that's being constraints and what exactly is a constraint how do we use them how do we use them in certain settings i'm going to talk all about it Um, but before i talk about this topic i do want to talk about something that i think should be addressed prior to talking about constraints and that's kind of just mentioning what exactly skill is and when we have a better definition and understanding of what skill is uh, we can then utilize constraints to map out a practice and design better sessions um, utilizing constraints to build better practices and get more out of those practices build better players all that good stuff so i wanted to take a quote from a from an article that i read um and it goes just like this skill behavior can be considered as the coordination of a functional movement solution to achieve an intended task goal and not as the rehearsal of a specific movement pattern to be able to perform it identically from rep to rep so the reason why i wanted to mention that is because a lot of the times in traditional practice and how we still view skill is almost as memory and the phrase muscle memory is thrown around a lot Uh, muscle memory is not a thing i'm sorry to break it to you and i'm not going to talk about that today but i actually think that that would be a good episode to talk about um good topic for an episode i should say but nonetheless traditional practice and the way that we think about skills is again memory muscle memory we do a bunch of reps and and we do it on air and we just get reps 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 and essentially it's going to build into our muscles that you know we have we memorize these movement patterns and we do enough one pull-ups and enough stationary ball handling and enough cone work that whenever we rep out these movement patterns that we'll be fine in games because we've rehearsed it enough however it's not a rehearsal it's it's not memory that we're trying to develop it's our ability to act and coordinate functional movement solutions to achieve intended task goals as stated in that quote so the reason why that's important to understand is that sure go out on a basketball court toss three cones three five cones whatever do a bunch of dribbling drills and and rep out the same one dribble pull up you're not going to be a basketball player. You're not going to have an IQ. You're not going to be instinctual. You're not going to be able to perceive things and then act upon them whenever they happen in live time because you're doing them on air and you're doing things, you're rehearsing things to build up your quote unquote muscle memory, right? So understanding what exactly skill is and and it's like people that have been on the show before, uh, Alex Sarama, for example, is, you know, been on paper saying that skill is emergent. It emerges within an environment and it and, and and a new skill will emerge every single time you encounter a different environment. And that's kind of the whole idea behind ecological dynamics and that approach. And again, that's another story for a different episode, but we develop skill 
in the heat of the moment. We develop skill in different environments and we develop skills like we, I, I couldn't even mark on a piece of paper or I couldn't even put a number about the amount of skills that you develop throughout a day, throughout a practice, throughout a session, throughout your lifetime. It's, it's too many to even conceptualize. And that is what's so important, right? It's not muscle memory. It's not just get reps up and you're going to be able to memorize this movement pattern and do it so many times that it's second nature for you in game. No, what you need to do is expose yourself to a plethora and a variety of different situations and manipulate the environment and put constraints on yourself and and expose yourself to so many different situations so that you are adaptable and you're able to adapt to different problems and solve these different problems in whatever given environment or situation that you see on the basketball court. That is the end goal. And to backtrack a little bit, the so-called muscle memory and repping stuff on air and doing all that kind of training that's more you're working on your technique. Technique is something that you can rep out, you can rehearse, and that might be memory. Technique is working on a set footwork and repping that out 20 times and doing the mic and drill. That's technique work, right? Or a one dribble pull up and trying to get a certain distance every single time off that pull up. That is technique. An inside foot jump shot, a outside foot jump shot, a reverse pivot. If you're just repping these things out, that's technique work, right? Stationary ball handling, that can be technique homework that can be technique which there may there may be a time and place for that and maybe you know very very novice athletes and very very young athletes they might need to be exposed to that stuff first because that might be variable enough for them and that might be challenging enough for them and there's nothing wrong with that but as you continue to move up you need to recognize that you're not getting yourself better by doing those things and doing this traditional practice and you're not developing your ability to solve problems and be adaptable in the heat of the moment like i've mentioned before so I wanted to talk about that first and kind of the difference and the distinction between skill and technique because, again, we need to know what skill is in order to challenge it and grow it, develop it, right? We don't want to develop technique necessarily. We want to develop skill and help develop these skillful and adaptable athletes. Now, the next thing that I wanted to talk about real quick is the difference and the distinction between a games approach and a CLA or the constraints that approach. And Alex Rama was just recently on phenomenal episode. And he talks about the constraints that approach. I'm about to talk about it further in depth in this episode, but the games approach is essentially as it sounds, you're just playing games. It's a lot of live stuff and it's great. It's, it's good. Um, but it's different than the CLA. And a lot of the times you see these two used together Uh, to create things like small sided game using constraints. And I'm going to go in deeper about what exactly constraint is. There's three different types. Um, But the thing is, and and the important note here is that they're different. And a lot of the times you'll see coaches utilize small sided games and basically just let them play. Like a a two on two is a small sided game. A a one on two is a small sided game. A three on three is a small sided game. Now, if you just let them play, with no structure at all, no rules, no constraints applied to the situation in the game, then yeah, it's you, you might not get that much out of it. And there might be a time and place to just play live with no constraints, two on two, three on three, whatever. But again, our, our, our goal is to develop adaptable, skillful players and athletes. So no, we don't want to just roll the ball out and say, all right, play three on three, whatever you want to do. No, no, no. Our, our, our job as coaches is to manipulate, adjust, and constantly critique these situations, these sessions to be better and build an environment to help these skills emerge for these players. 
as I stated earlier, skill is emergent. Alex Ramos mentioned this, right? So it, it's it's important that as coaches, we're constantly manipulating these environments. If it's a three-on-three, three, we need to s- apply different constraints to develop the skills that we need to see from these players, right? And if you're a coach of a team or if you're just a trainer and you see these kids often, either way, you're going to know what some of their deficiencies are, what some of their strengths are, right? So we can develop practices and situations and small set of games and apply constraints specific to these groups and to these people to help their abilities develop, to help skill to emerge, right? And it's our job to develop this. It's our job to orchestrate and and construct a practice session, a small set of game and, and all these things and apply the correct constraints, again, to develop an environment to help these skills emerge. So, that's also another important distinction. A small side of game and the game's approach is not just inherently the constraints of that approach. Um, you can apply different constraints and it's a little bit more in depth than just that. You can't just say, okay, three dribbles, that's a constraint. Well, we can get deeper than that. And and the, the deeper that we get, the more specific we get as, as uh, coaches, the more we're helping these players become more skillful. And the more that we're putting them in a position for these skills to emerge, right? So now let's get right into it. Now we have three different constraints and the first one is a task constraint. And a task constraint is going to be the easiest to manipulate and adjust uh, within a session. And now the reason being is that there's just a variety and almost endless tasks that you can throw at these players within a session as long as you're creative and continuously seek to build up these small set of games or the situations that you've thrown at these players. Um, So some tasks that you can do, for example, is... Okay, you have to score a layup, right? That is a task. Shoot off of a dribble handoff. That's a task. You can shoot off of a down screen. You have to curl off a down screen, get a jump shot. You have to score off a pick and roll, right? They're out of a get action, uh, out of a... Th- there's there's so many different tasks that you can throw at these players. And now where you can get creative with it is, okay, for example, go back to the first one. You have to score a layup. Now, that's pretty simple. You don't have to put any other constraint on that at first, right? If you see that they're struggling now, okay, well, you have to finish with contact. That's a task constraint. You have to finish off of two feet. You have to finish off of one foot. Using now the backboard as our focal point, uh, we can tell them that they have to score outside of the white box, score inside of the white box within the backboard, right? There's so many different task constraints that we can continuously develop and build up to go off of our down screen action, right? A down screen action, curl off of that. You have to score a jump shot. Now this one, you have to put a, a, a dribble down before you score. The, the next one, you have to score with no dribbles. You can switch it up and not have it be a jump shot. And instead, now you have to put a dribble down immediately, score at the rim or a dribble down and it has to be a floater, right? There's so many different tasks and task constraints that you can create and manipulate within a session that it, it just becomes very easy. Whenever you understand what the, what a task constraint is as a coach, it's super easy to manipulate that and adjust them throughout a session. Um, so that's a task constraint. It's important to understand each constraint as we continue to go, what exactly they are, how can we use them, how can we apply them, manipulate them, all these things. So the next one is an environmental constraint. And an environmental constraint, it sounds pretty easy uh and it's literally just our environment and we can constrain different things within our environment obviously so we can constrain space we can constrain time we can constrain things like sound and location 
And some examples of this is to go back to the first example of being space, right? Maybe it's working on finishing and you have to finish inside of the paint. Or if maybe if we're working on creating angles and getting downhill off of a ball screen, pick and roll. Now you can only work out of one half of the entire court or maybe even a third of the court. So you have to stay within this limited space, right? We're manipulating this environment. That is the environmental constraint, um, a shot clock. We can give them a different shot clock every single possession. This one is 10, the next one is 15, the next one is five, the next one is four, right? We can give them different environmental constraints through time, right? We can constrain time because it's gonna be different points throughout a game, especially at a college level, some high schools throughout the country and the world, I'm sure, have shot clocks. But from my experience at the high school level, I never play with a shot clock. So maybe that doesn't apply to you. However, if you're someone that uses a shot clock and plays with one and you're at the college level or pro level, that can obviously be helpful for you. Um, location, right? You have to start in a different location of the floor every single possession. That's an environmental constraint. Uh, sound, our environment. Obviously, sound is pretty important. We can fool around with the type of music that we're using, and using different music will elicit different reactions and different emotions and moods, right? We can play something super upbeat and have guys super revved up and intense and locked in and immediately drop it down to some extremely slow R&B or opera or something way different, right? We're just challenging their environment because as soon as something drastically different happens within the music or the song or the sound whatever you're hearing you're going to react differently physically emotionally you're going to think differently and it's going to change what you're doing in that moment right you can throw on some crowd sounds a bunch of football coaches do that i've seen some basketball coaches do that too they play crowd sounds to mimic the environment of maybe a a, a rivalry game that you're going to play on friday night whatever it is just to prepare your athletes for what you might see at that game, right? That's an environmental constraint and we can absolutely manipulate all those things. And as we continue to expose ourselves to what exactly a constraint is, say space, for example, right? I'm giving you half the basketball court. If that's too easy for some people, I can shrink that court a little bit. Now you have a third of the court. Or again, if, if it's too hard, maybe we give them a little bit more space Right, or if they're only getting to their right hand, now we apply both an environmental constraint and then a task constraint, or the next one being an individual constraint. Now you can't get downhill right hand, you have to get downhill left. Right, we're continuously adding on and tacking on different constraints. And it's not just, oh, I can only do a task constraint this one, or I can only do an environmental constraint this session or this small side of game. No, no, no. you can tag on a task constraint uh, environmental constraint. And then, like I said, this last one in, in, in individual constraint as well. And I'll get right into an individual constraint. It sounds pretty straightforward An individual or a player, you're constraining that person. Right. And that can be, like I said, you can only dribble with your left hand. You can only lay it up with your right. You can fool around with shooting footwork. So you have to shoot with your left foot forward, right foot forward. You have to shoot off of two feet. The next one you have to shoot off of one. The next one you have to shoot out of a hang dribble or a float dribble or something there there's so many individual constraints that you can apply to somebody especially if you know their areas of improvement and their weaknesses right if somebody struggles to dribble left and get downhill left or finish with their left or their offhand which 
if they're a lefty, it might be their right, right? You, you can put that individual constraint on them if you have to finish with your left hand. So now that they're, they're being exposed to this exact situation that they struggle with so much in a basketball game, and maybe it's an exact situation that you see a lot. Maybe it's, they struggle with contact finishing with an offhand, right? Now a task constraint is finishing with contact. The environment is you have to finish within the paint. And then an individual constraint is you have to finish off of your left hand or your right hand, your offhand, whichever dominant hand you have, right? So again, that's kind of applying all those constraints. And then to go even further, you should be progressing these small side of games and these constraints as you see the drill or the sequence pan out, right? If it's again, too easy, now you have to finish off at two feet, you have to finish off balance, or you have to do these things and apply different constraints and manipulate these constraints that you've already applied in order to continuously make this session more variable, more progressive and challenging for this individual or group of individuals. So with that breakdown of the different constraints, and now we have an understanding of what exactly a constraint is, task, environmental, individual, I now want to give you guys a little bit more practical application. Um, obviously, I gave you guys some examples per constraint as I was listing them off, but I'd like to give you guys a little bit more, again, practical application. So a two-on-one small side of game, a super easy one. You have a shooter on the wing, shooter on the corner, and then a passer slash defender on the block. He's going to pass it to either corner or wing and essentially offense is given a handful of different constraints the environmental constraint is they have right at the midline of the entire court they only have one side of the basket now the task constraint is you have to shoot a jumper it has to be a catch and shoot jumper there's no dribbles at this point of the small side of game the individual constraints are zero dribbles have to catch and shoot um, and then as a team, you get one pass. So defender passes it to either corner wing, and then that player can either shoot or pass. But after that pass, if they decide to pass it, the next decision, the next action has to be a jump shot. Um, we can progress this. Now you get one dribble and your options are still either a catch and shoot three or one dribble you need to get to a layup. So I'm only giving them two options. It's either a catch and shoot three or one dribble layup right at the rim. Um, and within this, you can continue to add layers, right? Now we can add a point system. If a player struggles to catch and shoot and hit jumpers with a contest, or just maybe their first thought is put it on the floor first, more of a pass first guard, um, and we want them to see the affordance of a catch and shoot three, then maybe it's two points for that individual. And that can also be viewed as an individual constraint, right? An individual constraint is that person gets two points for a made jumper, catch and shoot three. Now, the other person on the wing, for example, the individual constraint might be you get two points for a made layup because their affordances are more of a catch and shoot, whereas they need to see the drive in a finish at the rim, right? So I'm just layering in all the things that I've talked about in the past. The point system can be very vital as well as the constraints that we're utilizing and applying to the situation. Um, some other things that I've done in the past are say it's a three on three and we have to start out of a ball screen. All right. So we'll go constraint by constraint. Again, the task is to score out of a pick and roll or a ball screen. Um, and the environmental constraint is there. They have to score within the midline. So they only have half of a half court. 
um, and they have to produce out of that. Now, I'll give them, they they have two offensive players. They have the screener, and then they have another person that can be a spot-up shooter. Uh, they can cut out of that. They can do whatever action comes to mind and seems the best fit for the situation. And I'm, I'll put it in the point guard's hand. They have to tell this person to be in a different spot each rep, right? So maybe they can be same side corner and then they get downhill off of that ball screen and they rise and it's almost like a pulley system and they can hit that rise for a jump shot or a drive after that, whatever. I can put somebody in the opposite wing. So now we have more of a wedge screen action or it can still get downhill middle, right? We're just, we're repping out a ball screen, but we're making a little bit more variable and the environmental constraints that have been applied is you have to produce within a certain amount of space on the floor. Now to take it up in even more of a notch is now we're adding a time constraint to it. You have to produce and play within 12 seconds. As soon as a coach starts to count down, that's when everything starts, right? So we're moving at a higher speed. We have to make quicker decisions. We have to think quicker and process information quicker because we only have 12 seconds, limited space and three dribbles and all these other constraints that have been applied, right? But that's our job as coaches to apply these constraints to challenge the players to get better, become more skillful. Skill needs to emerge in these situations, right? So these are just two examples. There's so many more things that you could do. It could be out of a down screen action. It could be out of a get action. It could be out of a a two-on-one, a one-on-two. I do a lot of one-on-two stuff where the primary defender will pass the ball out to the offensive player and close out either right or left. And then we have rotating help side and I'll have help side start in a different location every single time. Right. So the constraint is maybe you have to finish at the rim or if I want them to work on shooting off the dribble, you have to shoot off the dribble with seeing help side rotate over and then also a primary defender getting back in the play. I'm just, I'm layering things. I'm adding more things, um, different constraints, manipulating the environment, the constraints that I've applied already, and just trying to, again, provide an environment for skill to emerge, create more adaptable players. So these are examples. Um, If you guys want more, I would love to give you some more. These are just three that I gave you along with some of the smaller examples that I gave you guys within the description of the constraints. So just to go over everything one more time, a task constraint, an environmental constraint, and an individual constraint. These are all important to know. And it might seem like a lot of information right now. And it's like, oh, why do we have to break it down to this level? But I I promise you guys, it's very important for you as the coach to understand what these things are, because the more you understand, the easier it's going to be to apply. And once you understand, it's extremely easy to apply and create a session and and a very efficient and productive session and utilizing constraints. Constraints are one of the most effective tools that I've used as a coach ever. And I think that there's so much opportunity. And if you're creative as a coach to just apply and progress and regress and add different constraints, manipulate the constraints that you've already done and create different situations and small sided games and constrain all those. It's, it's, it's fun as a coach to get in the nitty gritty with this stuff. Once you, once you fully understand what it is and it becomes very easy as well. It seem it might seem complicated for some, um, at this current moment, if this is like the first time you ever heard hearing of a constraint and how to apply them and what exactly they are. But once you understand them, 
to a decent level. You don't even have to be an expert or anything like that. You don't have to master what a constraint is. And I'm not a master. I'm not an expert, but I feel like I have a very good grasp of it and I can apply them and use them in a session to get the most out of sessions. Um, And then the last thing that I want to touch on is something that I touched on earlier is kind of the difference between small sided games and the games approach and then the CLA. And just to reiterate again, I'm not just having my groups and my players just throw the ball out and play three on three or throw the ball out and play two on two. Right. As you can tell, based on what I've talked about in this episode, there's a rhyme and reason to using constraints and there's the right way to use them. There can be a wrong way to use them. And one of the, I shouldn't say wrong, but one of the less efficient ways of using them is just saying, okay, here, just play two on two out of a pick and roll and the constraint is you can only finish at the rim and then you let them play for say three to five minutes and that's their time and you don't you don't coach you don't give them feedback you don't manipulate the constraints or anything and I will be honest earlier in my career and before I learned more and more about constraints that's kind of what I would do I would apply one constraint in one small side of game and I would just let them rock right but if you see somebody struggling if you see areas where a player isn't seeing an affordance or seeing an opportunity to act, that's when you need to step in as a coach and either manipulate the constraint so that they can see that affordance or give them feedback of some sort. This can be implicit or explicit. doesn't matter. Whichever is better for your athlete and for your player, and you're going to know your player best, that's what's going to help them, right? And again, I'm not just having them play freely, whatever. No, no, no. I'm engineering the environment. I'm engineering the drills and the small side of games and whatever you want to call it for these athletes to become more skillful, for skill to emerge, for my players to become more adaptable, right? That's the entire goal. I'm not just letting them play freely. I'm adding constraints. I'm adding rules. I'm adding point systems. I'm at, I'm adding all these things to manipulate the the environment, to manipulate the task constraints, the individual constraints, to help that skill emerge and become more skillful, more adaptable athletes. And that is the overall goal. And I just I need to make that distinction because again, I'm not just letting them play freely. And there are some people on Instagram and wherever that don't view constraints as valuable tools and the stuff that I do as well as plenty of other people that do similar stuff to myself that just don't understand the importance and and the value of what we do and and that's also kind of why I wanted to come on here in this episode and and shine some light on what a constraint is and how we can use it and use it effectively so I appreciate you guys for tuning in this week now if you guys found this episode or find this podcast in general helpful please, please just share it with somebody else. Leave me a little review, some feedback, um, and just let me know if you guys liked the episode. Uh, This format, solo episode, kind of talking about a little bit more in depth, just a singular topic uh, with some little things here on the side that I spoke about, obviously, as well. But I'm thinking about doing um, some more episodes like this where I'm talking about specific things like I mentioned uh, muscle memory. I might talk about that more in a separate episode. Uh, Things like representative learning, psychological safety, just different things that I can touch on more in depth. Um, And if you guys like that concept and want to hear more about those things and those topics, please, please let me know. It's super helpful. But nonetheless, I appreciate you guys tuning in. Appreciate you guys' support. And that is it for me this week. Peace. Peace.